The following sermon was delivered during morning worship at Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City. We welcome you to worship with our vibrant community of faith every Sunday on the corner of Fifth Avenue and 55th Street in the heart of Midtown Manhattan. And now, here is our guest preacher for today's service. Good morning. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, Push aside all the distractions in our mind that we may be present to your mighty word. May all God's people say amen. amen. Our first reading today, our reading today, comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. Let us listen for God's word. On that day when the evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stem, asleep in the cushion, and they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace. Be still. Then the wind ceased, and there was a dead calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, said to one another Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is the word of God for the people of God. Sometimes there are two truths that can answer a question, and the one you choose will forever tell the story. Let me share an example. I'm a parent, I'm a mom, to a daughter just out of college, a daughter who just got a job, if I may claim that pulpit for just a moment, I'm pretty excited there, a daughter just out of college, and a high school son. My son's name is Harrison. And people will frequently ask me how we chose that name. The truth is, I tell them, Harrison is a family name that goes way back on my grandfather's side. It's a strong, sturdy name, like many of the men from that fine Midwestern stock. We're talking Indiana, Purdue University, as far as the eye can see, why yes, as Midwesterners, we will be taking rhubarb pie with our Thanksgiving meal. Thank you very much. Harrison. Or, the truth is, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, Star Wars. I can tell you exactly what movie theater I was sitting in as a child and saw Star Wars for the very first time. I remain a true fan. Come find me after worship if you want to talk about the most recent trailer for The Rise of Skywalker. I remember well not just the theater where I saw the first Star Wars movie. I remember the exact seat I was in when across the screen came this man called Han Solo. And I thought, wow, who is this actor, Harrison Ford? And how do we get more Han Solos in the world? If you'll permit me just the slightest digression from the sermon, when my husband and I first moved 
to New York City, we lived briefly in Chelsea, where the actor Harrison Ford was rumored to live. One day on the sidewalk, I was waiting with my Harrison, a baby in a stroller at the time, and I looked to my right, and standing directly next to me was him, Harrison Ford. There we stood for just one moment, both Harrisons on the exact same street corner. I reached over to get Harrison's Ford attention, and do you know what I said? I didn't say anything. <laughs> I was way too nervous. The light changed and off he went. But I have thought many, many times about what I would have said, and it probably would have been something like this. Harrison, meet Harrison and a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, and I would have just rattled on forever. Both stories of how I got to the name Harrison are absolutely true. The one I choose has everything to do with the situation. Sometimes there are two truths that can answer a question, and the one you choose will forever tell the story. Our reading today is from the Gospel of Mark. Mark, as scholars believe, provides the basic framework that is used by both Matthew and Luke and appears to be one of the earliest written accounts. We enter today's story in a section of Mark that shares a series of miracles all happening near the Sea of Galilee. That body of water is both a literal ocean sea and also a backdrop that frames nature as a metaphor for unpredictability. All those miracles highlight the disciples' struggle to see the true identity of Jesus Christ. And through their stories of disbelief turned discovery, we find our own stories of the power of transformation. This story, from Mark chapter 4 is frequently referred to as Jesus calming the storm. Jesus and a group of disciples step onto a boat. Into the night, a violent storm erupts. This raging storm is chaos at its most urgent, and everyone on the boat is understandably scared and frightened. Teacher, don't you care if we all drown? The disciples ask in a plea to Jesus for his help. Jesus responds in that way that he always seems to be responding, which is to say, why are you afraid? Why do you have such fear if you have faith? Then in his assurance to the disciples and to nature all around them, the chaos stops raging forth. The disciples are stunned at the miracle they have just witnessed. Now, a few things to think about here. We know that at least four of the disciples in this story are fishermen, and surely they must have experienced severe storms before. Why this storm? Why now? They must have stepped on that kind of boat with storms hundreds of times. Fear can be like that, don't you think? It just kind of pops up sometimes and overwhelms erupting, coming out of nowhere. And in those moments in our lives, fear's greatest companion, doubt, also seems to arrive on the scene. 
doubts about God often emerge in times of crisis. Doubts that God is not on duty if there is a disaster or hardship. Jesus, are you going to let us just stand here and drown? And see this? This is, must, this is when we must begin to see ourselves in these disciples. Because their cry, teacher, don't you care, is one that all of us have said or felt. We felt it when life's storm seemed to rage all over us. Divorce, being fired from a job, being promoted at a job. What if they realize that we are not enough? An unexpected diagnosis. This fear, it is like chaos in our lives, uncontrollable. We may have stepped onto that boat a hundreds of times, but one hundreds of times, but one day it just gets to us. We have this trust in God, but our panic seems to separate us from the truth of our faith, and all we can see is fear of the unknown. It's like chaos raging around us, and it separates us from God and the work that God wants us to be doing. And which path should we choose in those moments when life has our back against this wall? Which path will we choose when we are stuck? Will it be fear or will it be faith? And how to even find the strength when life wants us to choose? Because here's the problem with living in fear. We're not set up that way. God has built us to love. We cannot be ruled by our fears, but only by our hopes. This is authentic Christian living. Compassion and fear do not go together. It stops the imagination, and it blocks all courage. But to live in hope, to live in faith, is to be free. So which one to choose in those moments? Which truth to choose? Is your response faith or is your response fear? Because sometimes there are two truths that can answer a question, but the one you choose will forever shape the story. We talk a lot about faith at the church, but the gift of ministry, the power of the work that we do here every week after week is actually talking about what it means to experience God. Experiencing our Christian faith and counting on that fortitude that comes from a trust in Jesus Christ. Let me explain that word fortitude. Years ago, when it was time for me to study for the Presbyterian ordination exams, which are much like if you have an attorney friend or, 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 or maybe you're a lawyer, you know the bar exams. These are the series of exams that one takes to become a minister in the Presbyterian church. So when it was time for me to study, I decided to set up camp in one of my very favorite locations, the New York City Public Library. Now, I'm of the variety that the best things in this beautiful city are absolutely free, and I have a lifelong love of uh, the New York City Public Library. This way, my pet lions, patience, and fortitude could cheer me on from the outside door. 
Now, I want you to take a minute and look at the bulletin cover. So this is patience, and this is fortitude, and now that I've introduced you, I suspect you all go way back. I have a love affair with this library and patience and fortitude, and the, who are the massive stone lions who sit at either side of the library's grand entrance. Now here's what you might not know. These lions were originally named Leo Lennox and Leo Astor, after the library's founders but they were renamed during the Depression in the 30s to inspire the two qualities that Americans would need to push through hard times. Now, one can only study for these ordination exams for so long. So during study breaks, I got to know every square inch of that beautiful building. I noticed something in all my weeks at the library they have the most spectacular gift shop. I really recommend it. And in that gift shop, they had two jars of pins to put on your backpack or your jacket that you could buy, one to the left of the cash register with patience pins, and the other to the right of the register with fortitude pins. Every day, so many people would buy patience that the pin jar was down to the bottom by store clothes. But in all my weeks there, in all my weeks there, I never once saw the bottom of the fortitude jar. Practically nobody ever grabbed one of those. Patience is a virtue, it seems, and it must be portable. Patience is so achievable and acceptable that all we have to do is just grab it, and that's the only reminder that we seem to need. But what is it about fortitude that is more daunting? What is it about fortitude, that word for grit or resilience, that makes it just a little too intimidating to grab it on the go? And maybe, maybe it's because we talk a lot about faith in the church, but sometimes we don't talk nearly enough about what it means to experience God, experience and trusting our faith by using that fortitude that is a gift of the Holy Spirit that will be there to help us get through what's in front of us. That inner strength that comes from the sure conviction that God has placed us in this world to do the work of life, powered by love. And it is a love that is powered not just to endure, but to change and overcome. And when a time of testing comes, which it will, God's love is the assurance that with this fortitude, you will have everything you need. A few minutes ago, I shared that I am a Star Wars fan. This is your permission to giggle. This is also the moment where my two kids often roll their eyes because moms aren't supposed to be Star Wars fans. It's science fiction. Or is it? It's actually really not. It's about a story as old as time. Star Wars is about the two truths, faith and fear. I'm certainly not the first Christian minister to claim the word fan around Star Wars films, the film's imagery of good and bad and light and dark, and the power of the force, much like the Holy Spirit, is a through line of the series and has powered many a sermon from pastors over the years. 
but little known is the quote that was said to inspire the whole thing. In the 1970s, Star Wars creator George Lucas was said to be reading a book from writer and professor Joseph Campbell when he stumbled upon a single quote. And that quote is claimed to have sparked the whole idea for what everything would be about. Science fiction was just the backdrop to what became the through line. The quote is, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasures that you seek. The cave you fear to enter holds the treasures that you seek. Like this, the creator George Lucas was off and running, and Lucas was said to have outreached to the professor and brought him on as a consultant to develop and shape and balance this forever journey between faith and fears for all the movies. Friends, these are not easy times right now. There is so much to change and to overcome. Just this summer, I've had to completely disrupt my favorite morning habit of waking up and putting on the Today Show because I found that I actually do better if I give myself more time to get into the day's news. I've substituted that habit with going back to something I did years ago, which is beginning in prayer, on my knees. That is new. This news cycle is so tough. God needs our hearts and our minds like never before. And when fear sets in and threatens to separate us from God, we must lean in to the Holy Spirit gift of resilience of our faith that is stronger than any storm around us. And that fear, that fear that you have right now, that thing that sits right now in front of you that you are facing, well, it turns out it also might just provide what you need to unlock to be free and to get stronger. After all, sometimes the cave we fear to enter holds the treasures that we seek. How to decide which path on this journey of ours of faith and fear? Well, you will just have to choose because sometimes there are true truths that can answer a question and the one you choose will forever shape your story. Amen. Friends, it looks like worship is ending, but it's actually just beginning. Here's the fun part. Here's the hard part. Now we get to take this with us into the streets to do God's work of making this earth just a little more like it is in heaven. Let us go knowing that we have what we need on this journey from disbelief to discovery. And let us go with love and let us go with peace. And may all God's people say amen. Amen. We hope this sermon has been meaningful to you and provided a message of hope, encouragement, and good news. If you are in New York City, we invite you to visit our historic church and join us for worship. You will find our address, worship calendar, and other information on our website, fapc.org. If you would like to help support this audio ministry, please text the dollar amount of your gift, followed by the word sermons, to 
491-8331. Again, that is the amount of your gift, followed by the word sermons, to 646-491-8331. Thank you and God bless.